Joel Embiid turning garbage into gold. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Garbage Into Gold. It's been a month and six days since the last time we've recorded on November the 2nd. We apologize for the hiatus. It's been mostly my fault for trying to move up to the Northeast, which is still not happening quite yet. But anyway, I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Apter, and I am joined by my co-host, Jesse Larch. Jesse, it's good to see you. Nobody else can see you right now, but I can. It's good to see you, and it's nice to be back on the podcasting airwaves talking about our hometown Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, I mean, ain't seen you in a while. We both have the drinks flowing right now, you know. Everything goes according to Do you want to, to do plan. a drink plug? I know this is very Process Potables, our friend Dan Morgan <laughs> with Process Potables, but what are you sipping on? I'm drinking uh, Wolf King Imperial Stout from Rusty Rao Brewing Company in Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania. A little hidden gem I found going to college in Central PA. So Very nice. You know, I've, I've visited there each of the last two years. You know, they have like the brewery on the ground floor, a nice little restaurant. And then on the third floor, they have suites that are gorgeous. Um, so it's like it's not too expensive, really, for what you're getting. You get, you know, like a TV room, a little kitchenette, a king size bed, a shower, all that, all that fun stuff. But it's a really nice place to get away for a day or two. It's become one of my favorite little spots. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out at some point. Um... I I'm I have I've always liked Imperial Stouts. It's weird. I like fruity beers and like dark dark beers. Uh Guinness Imperial Stouts. There's like a Founders Breakfast Stout that I like, but I haven't tried too many like microbrewery stouts to this point. I just haven't found one that I've liked yet, but I'm drinking something so much you... Go ahead. Once you make the move up here, um, we'll go to 2SP, which is in Aston, which is like the the edge of Delco. That's where um, uh, Jack Fritz's brewery is too, right? Four Fingers? His is there too, yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're pretty good too. I've been there. Um, but 2SP has, like, as far as dark beers go, that's like the mecca for me. A lot of dark beer options, a lot more than most places usually have, and they do them all well. So we can go there and, you know, get a, get your fix for all your dark beers. Yeah, I mean, that sounds good. Uh, I'm drinking something a little less manly. I guess in my mid-30s, it's too late for me to have an imperial stout. So I'm drinking a glass of rosé after uh, a couple of glasses of Pinot Grigio. I'm on my second glass of rosé. I think the brand is Rosé Bay. So... It's even more manly with that name, but uh, I'm trying. When I was up in Philly a couple weeks ago, when we were looking at places to live up there, I did have a beer that is brewed. I don't think it's in Philly. I believe it's another Central Pennsylvania or North Central Pennsylvania brewery called Aldis. They have a pretzel wheat that I had at a buddy's house and it was very, very good. I also had another beer. I don't really know. I don't remember what brewery it was, but it was like a lemon and hibiscus beer, which I found to be surprisingly delicious as well. So those, uh, I didn't think I'd like herbs in my alcohol, but I guess maybe I do. There's, 
There's a lot of crazy things you can find out there that are really make you kind of think of it a lot differently. Like, you know, you kind of start drinking craft beers and all like, oh, that doesn't taste like Michelob Ultra. Mm-hmm. Like, why do people drink this? And then you kind of you kind of keep exploring. It's kind of like going out to a restaurant. You know, you try the different things at different places, you know. Yeah. For me, I'm a picky eater, but, you know, anywhere I go, I tend to order the mozzarella sticks. <laughs> And I judge a place based on the mozzarella sticks. Uh, it's you know? like my wife with uh, chicken tenders, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing wrong with it. Yeah, of course not. I mean, I love chicken tenders. Um, t- uh, one of the things, yeah, one of the things I was going to say is, like, I, I don't go to a lot of microbreweries because I'm not, like, a big beer drinker. But here in Atlanta, there are a lot of, like, really good cideries that I've enjoyed. Mm. So I've enjoyed exploring that and the wineries down here are nice. And I know that there are a bunch of them, uh, up in the, the Philly area as well that I'm excited to explore. I forget where I was going with this exactly though. So I don't know, maybe it'll, maybe it'll come back to me at some point, but it just completely went out of my mind now. So yeah. Hey, happens to the best of us. Yeah, so uh, it is good to be back on the podcast airwaves, as we said before. Uh, the Sixers uh, moved to 14-11 tonight, three games over the 500 mark with a 110-106 win over the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Joel Embiid following up a uh, 46 or 48-point performance with 32 points, eight rebounds. Seth Curry, 23 points on 8 for 14 shooting. Tobias Harris, 18 points on 7 for 13 shooting, 2 of 5 from beyond the arc. Nice night for Tobias after, I believe he had a 21 and 10 double double on Tuesday. Well, Monday. What day is it? Wednesday? Yeah, it's Wednesday. Um, on Monday yes. against the Hornets. Uh, it was like one of the most forgettable double doubles that I've ever seen in, in NBA basketball. So the last couple games are, I don't really know how to explain it, Jesse. It it becomes one of those things where I feel like the Sixers, even though they were without maxi on Monday tonight, they had pretty much their full slate of who's normally available to them. And uh, they barely squeak by the Charlotte Hornets, who are down quite a handful of of guys. LaMelo Ball, among others, uh, sidelined in health and safety protocols. But I feel like these are teams, the Hornets, that uh, the Sixers should not just be squeaking by, I guess. Uh, You know, we saw a couple games ago, two or three games ago, they beat the Hawks in Atlanta which was a really, really nice win. Um, yeah, I understand why those games are close, but I guess these, not quite sure, but I'm not trying to take too much um, too much from these because it's just the regular season. But I guess, what, what did you see tonight? What did you like? What didn't you like? Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you where I'm just unimpressed at, that they struggled twice to beat a Hornets team missing you know, Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball. Um, there's no excuse for that, especially with Embiid back. I know they didn't have Maxi the first night, but as much as I love Tyrese Maxi, they shouldn't have needed overtime to beat the Hornets. You know, and then tonight, you know, coming down to the wire again. 
It's just hard to get excited about this team right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough to have a podcast really based on a game, two games against the Hornets. I know we haven't potted in like a month, so there's a lot that we can talk about with regard to this team. Uh, but we're looking at them now 25 games into the season, <clears throat> and they've had some guys that have missed time due to health and safety protocols. Embiid, Tobias Harris, Isaiah Joe, other guys too. So we're not necessarily seeing this team at 100% right now, even though they have all of the guys that they have. You know, Embiid putting up these 40 and 30 point performances are only a short time removed from him coming out of health and safety protocols. You know, I just had a buddy uh, get over COVID too, brain fog and and everything like that. So I, I can't imagine he's even 85% at the moment. So if this is 85% Joel Embiid that we're getting, very happy with that. Um, but Embiid, the least of their problems, really. I mean... If you ask me, right now, I just, it's very hard to watch Tobias Harris play basketball. And he had a good game tonight against the Hornets. And I don't really need to look up his averages and his shooting percentages, really, to to tell you that he just looks to be playing uninspired basketball. He seems to just have gotten generally worse when I, I mean I just don't really get it. I mean I think you get next to nothing from Danny Green. You know, it's it just feels like the Sixers need a bit of a makeover again, which sucks because it feels like every two years the Sixers are making another drastic change to the roster. But I mean I, I talk about it with working people all the time and where I'm at with the team is I just don't see there's any scenario where this team wins a championship. And there's really even a viable threat for one. Yeah, I was thinking in my head the other night, and I tweeted it out like last week, and maybe I was a little overdramatic after they lost a worthless regular season game, but I was just like, have we seen the best of the Sixers during the Embiid era? And I'm starting to think that we have. I mean... Well, there's 30, 32 teams that compete for a championship going into the regular season every year. And you're looking back at seasons where you had Jimmy Butler, you had Ben Simmons playing better than he did in the Hawk series. And you had an opportunity, you know, the bubble was just the worst possible outcome that you could possibly have. And then you had last year, which everybody pretty much labeled as, you know, a cakewalk to the NBA finals, the way that they had it. Yeah. And they shit the bed against the Hawks. We all know what happened. And now I look at this team and I'm just like, mm, first round, like I don't even know if they could make it out of the first round against some opponents. But at the same time, devil's advocate, this is just a regular season. So is anything uh, what we're watching, like does it really ma even matter? Does it matter at all? I mean, you, you make that point. And you know, if you think about it, this team should have two rings right now. <laughs> if you go back to the, I can't remember, I think it's 2019, um, the Toronto, the quadruple bounce. You know, that's it a seems shot like so much missed. longer ago than 2019. It's tw 2019 or 2018, <laughs> but either way, that shot like that doesn't go in more often than it does go in. 
So it's like very easily fate could turn the other way on that. Then you go to the Eastern Conference Finals. You get the beat-up Warriors in the finals. That's an easy ring. Then you have last year where, you know, if you just don't show to the Hawks, you probably cakewalk to another to a to a title. Yeah. It's it's a tough pill to swallow, but you know, we, we keep watching the Sixers squander these chances and you know, everyone wants to keep keep on like hitching to the wagon. I just I'm kinda like and this is just a toxic way to think about it, but I'm like ready to rebuild the team again. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't think this is part of me. Like, this is just what I do. Like if I play video games, I take like the bad teams and just like strip all the assets and like totally hinky it. <laughs> like yeah. I was doing that before Sam Hinkie came around, which is why I love Sam Hinkie so much. Yeah. Cause he like lived my dream to just dismantle a professional sports team and rebuild it from the ground up. Okay. So, so I guess my question to you right now, I, I'm putting you on the spot here, but if you were to blow the Sixers up now, I don't know if that includes getting rid of Embiid too or just blowing everything else up, but give me, give me like a couple of moves just off the bat what you would do to, to start the blow up. So Harris is the first one out. Great guy, great locker room guy, you know, good basketball player. Mm, no, he's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he's he's the first one hitting the road. Um, where are you sending him? Where, he, where where does uh, who wants him? Man, that's a tough part of the question, isn't it? I mean, we see now over the past week, like maybe he goes to Portland. Well, Portland is rebuilding. Or something like that. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, at this point, Tobias is what? Like a somewhat of a sexy salary dump? Like he's not a bad basketball player, but... No, but he's like, not a Jesus max player. Christ, like, uh, the pump fakes at the three-point line need to stop. Yeah, he's he's meant to be playing about 15 years ago. <laughs> I mean... Like, that... I mean, you're yeah, not wrong, and it's, like, super frustrating because he's such a genuine person. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of the nice guys in the NBA aren't the really good ones. Like I mean, who? I don't know. KD seems like kind of a dick. I don't know. Steph Curry seems nice. I mean, who else are we talking about? I, I mean, I don't really know. I feel like more than often... I mean, you're the, saying guys, guys that are nice that aren't good. Well, yeah, like Tobias, to Tobias is a guy that's nice but isn't really good. I don't know if that makes okay. any sense. I'm trying to think of another... Like, What do you think, after all of this stuff that's come out about Dame wanting like an extension and reportedly trying to get CJ and four first round picks in exchange for Ben Simmons and everything like that. I used to really love the idea of Dame, but now with all of these reports coming out, I'm just like, well, it's kind of loser energy that you want to play with Ben Simmons since Ben Simmons is a loser. 
So it's just like, do you think Damian Lillard's nice? I don't think Damian Lillard's a nice person. He's a good basketball player. I don't think he's nice, though. I'm out enough about Dame to say that. <laughs> I'm just making judgments you know, I, I based think, on I, reports I from Shams, like, you know. I think he's approaching the back half of his career, and he wants to take one last run at it, and that's about the extent of that thinking. I think if you blow this team up, you... I think my biggest gripe with this team and the biggest gripe that people have had with this team for a very long time is that they have not had a bona fide shooter scorer since Iverson. Yeah. And Embiid is a bona fide scorer. Like we've seen him in MVP form be able to do that. But can he be a closer? So far this year, he's looked like he has been able to make those shots in clutch. Tobias Harris is not a closer. But being able to have that guy that can take the game over and you don't have to worry about him turning turning the ball over or anything. And you really haven't had a guy like that in Philadelphia since Iverson. I mean, you can say that Jimmy Butler maybe was that guy, but he disappeared from beyond the arc in the in the postseason and everything like that, you maybe you blame fit for that. But I mean, if I'm blowing it up, like the big deal, like the big deal I would make is finding a way to move Embiid. I do not want to move Embiid. But if I'm blowing things up, I'm moving Embiid and trying to find a way to get like a shy Gilgis Alexander and picks and building around shy. Because we've spent so much time building around Big guys, center, Ben Simmons, not a center. Markel Fultz was a failure. Uh, you know, other guys are a failure. So it's just like it's time to build around somebody that can lead you to a title. And is that a center? Uh, I guess we'll see. Well, when we're doing this podcast in five years from now, when Embiid is either past his contract or still with the Sixers, like we'll have to see. But that would be my big move. No, if I'm blowing it up, Embiid's gone. I'm the only guy I'm keeping is Maxi. Yeah, that's that's the guy. If I if I want to rebuild a roster, that's the centerpiece I want. Is the kid that's, you know, we know he's in the gym, twenty five hours a day, <laughs> like dedicated to the game, dedicated to himself, no ego at all. Like if you're looking for the guy to set the culture of your franchise, I think he's a great guy to do it. Um, and that, and not to mention he's versatile on the court with being able to play on or off ball, you know? So if you do bring in a shy Gildreas Alexander or one of my favorite young guys in the league, Tyrese Halliburton, you know, one of these types of players that are also multi-positional, then I think you could have a really exciting young team, but I'm ready for things. I'm ready for things to like not matter again. Because I feel like they already don't. <laughs> I was just gonna. I was like, just gonna I, allude I to that. Like if, I think I texted you the other night, and I was just like, "Gosh, watching regular season basketball has become like unbearable. Like it's just after what we've been through over the past few years with the Hawks collapse, the bubble getting swept by the Celtics, and the Kawhi shot. It's just like, how can anybody judge based on the regular season? It's just impossible to do at this point." Unless it's, it's like the even, Warriors or the Suns right like now. The, the Sixers don't even play fun basketball. Mm. 
it's it's literally the worst. It's li- like how they play basketball is the worst. Doc, Doc, not great, but it's so slow. It is so slow, and it's just like in in the playoffs, you can't expect for that to like you can't expect for that to work to, for one person to hold the ball until they're. 11 seconds on the shot clock and then dump it to Embiid and hope they score points. Like, it's just... No, it's like, you think of some of the bad teams in the league, like OKC. Shigel Jazz Alexander's fun to watch. You know, Josh Giddy is fun to watch. You go to Orlando, Cole Anthony's fun to watch. He's fun to watch yeah. interview, too. His interviews are great. He is. Who else is bottom of the league right now? Um, Houston, but they've won six straight. I mean, they're fun to watch too. Kevin Porter Jr. is another guy in addition to Jalen Green that's fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I watched Suns Warriors the other night uh, after the Sixers Hawks, and I was sitting there in the on the couch with my wife, and and she was just like, "It's like watching a completely different sport." After watching, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Really is. I mean, it's scary too because the Warriors, what going into tonight, were twenty and four, and now Clay is coming back. It's awesome. Yeah. The more things change, the more things stay the same. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we started off this year with the Sixers like we do every year, because the vast majority of what they've done over the past few years, I feel like, has been. <sighs> changing their bench around given there was the whole Al Horford thing and stuff like that. But I feel like we've not gotten to a point ever where we've been like, okay, I feel good about this bench going into the playoffs. And I feel like every single year that we've gone into a season expecting to make the playoffs, the first 20 or so games, or even like the first 10 or 15, were just like, wow, this bench is really good. But now I'm back 25 games in being just like, well, I don't even think this bench would be able to hold themselves in the playoffs. Like, I really don't. Yeah, uh, they've uh, that chemistry from the start of the year kind of faded quick. I still like Andre Drummond. I mean, I still like Niang, but he's kind of cooled off a bit. Yeah, you kind of you kind of had to figure he would. Um. I mean, Shake Milton's still Shake Milton. He runs so hot and so cold. Isaiah Joe just rides the bench, unfortunately. I mean, he looked good on Monday when they played on Monday without Maxi, so he got some minutes there, and I think he hit two or three threes. So, I mean, that's something that in the playoffs is valuable, but, I mean, he's not going to see the court over if Korkmaz is struggling, which he has. And this is where you have to tinker. You have to tinker during the regular season. This is where you find out yeah. what works for the playoffs. And, you know, Doc's not necessarily going to tinker, but, you know, I don't know. No, Doc will keep the same lineup going no matter what because his ego gets in the way. I think he feels like if he makes a change that he's admitting he's wrong or something like that. Yeah, I, I feel like this year on the whole that I've enjoyed more of the games where we've gotten to see Isaiah Joe and like B-Ball Paul play than I have the actual full team because I can't stand to watch Tobias Harris play basketball anymore. 
Um, I'm just hoping Embiid doesn't get hurt. And again, like I, we, we mentioned just a short minute, a few minutes ago, after all of the playoff pain that we've been through over the past three years, it's hard to like look at regular season basketball, spend two hours watching every game and be like, this matters. Yeah. So. Like I said, it doesn't even have like, like the Sixers, you know, I've, I've said it before, but I think the most fun I've had watching the Sixers was the Robert Covington, Dario Saric, JJ Redick team. Mm-hmm. As far as just people that they felt like a family, like you would watch. It's like, Oh, there's, there's my brother, JJ. There's my cousin <laughs> Dario. Like, yeah. Like for some reason like you were invested in everybody a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, partially because of the way they came along in the process and things like that. And, you know, once the Sixers kind of transitioned to being legitimate contenders, started making the blockbuster deals and everything else, it's like, I mean, this might be the biggest insult I can give, but the Sixers feel like the fucking Clippers right now. <laughs> like, yeah, they, they got players so, you can market. I hate to say it, but that's a good comp. Like, there's players you can market. They're going to make the playoffs. But do you really care about them? Are they really a contender? <sighs> you know, and that's that's what they are now. They're, they're just a good basketball team, good enough to make the playoffs. Not good enough to, like, I don't think they beat the Heat in a seven-game series. I don't think they beat Milwaukee in a seven-game series at this point. Well, it's one of my least favorite things we see this like 10 games into this if the playoffs were to begin today the Sixers would play the Milwaukee Bucks that's who it would be I mean looking at the top eight in the Eastern Conference there aren't a whole lot of surprises really other than the Cleveland Cavaliers in seventh and I mean go ahead sorry I don't really know what I was. I was about to say like I don't even know if we could beat them, but we could. We could I don't know them. if we can beat the Hornets in a seven game series with Lamelo and yeah. If they get Lamelo Ball and Terry Rozier back, is that Sixers team tonight that had a full <laughs> complement of players? All right, I'm just gonna go down the list of the Eastern Conference and you tell me yes or no as to whether you think the Sixers could beat them in a playoff series. Okay. All right. Brooklyn Nets. No. Chicago Bulls. I want to see the two teams play each other. It's yes or no, Jesse. It's yes or no. Given the Rosen's <laughs> history against the Sixers, I'm going to say no. Okay. I'd go yes on that one. That's the only one in the top. Mm. I think the Sixers match up well with the Bulls. <clears throat> yeah. I think in a seven-game series, they would beat the Bulls. Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, no. Yeah. I was going to say the same. Miami Heat? I don't think so right now. Hmm. Have they played yet this year? Mm, I don't think they have, yeah. I I know Tyler Hero is playing great basketball. Jimmy Butler Um, playing eh basketball. Yeah, but, you know, Jimmy Butler's going to wake up to play the Sixers. Washington Wizards? (laughs) Backtrack to the Heat real quick. Okay. I also think Adebayo gives Embiid a fit. In a seven-game series, Adebayo beats the hell out of Embiid. Yeah, I think defensively, maybe. Offensively, I don't know. 
Offensively, I think Embiid will get his points, but Embiid's going to be exhausted playing out of bio. Yeah. Uh, Washington Wizards, new look Wizards. I'll say yes, but I really do like the way the Wizards look this year. I do, yeah. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers? Yes. Hawks? No. Celtics? No. Hornets? No. (laughs) Knicks? If if, if we're saying LaMelo Ball is back and Terry Rozier is back, they don't beat that. The team tonight does (laughs) not beat the Hornets with LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier. Okay, yeah, I'm saying they beat the Cavs and they beat the Hawks. In no situation that we see the Sixers and the Hawks go into a playoff series does Joel Embiid let them lose to the Hawks. But I know as I say that, I immediately regret my words, and I know exactly what's going to happen in in the first or second round of the playoffs now. Yeah. uh, And then the the bottom five is Knicks, Raptors, Pacers, Magic, Pistons. I feel like they'd have some trouble with the Knicks. That's really it. And Toronto on yeah, defense. But, but they should still beat the Knicks. Toronto shouldn't be any problem. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's an interesting thing to think of. Um, and then, I mean, you go over to the Western Conference, and I feel like Sixers ain't beating any of the first four teams there, at least. But uh, Oh, Phoenix know. would run them out of the fucking gym. I think Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah would, unfortunately, as much as I'd hate to admit that. Yeah, I hate Utah, too. <laughs> um, okay, so now that we've kind of gone through our catastrophizing and our thoughts on blowing the Sixers up here in, in 2021, because why the hell not? <laughs> We're watching basketball now, and it doesn't really feel like it matters, so why make it actually not matter, I guess, at this point? So uh, we are still in a place right now where Ben Simmons is on the Sixers, still getting fined. I think it's a little over $6 million, almost $6.5 million to this point. Might be closer to 7 now or 8 after tonight's game. Uh, and there is no movement on that. Uh, there were some reports over the past week that have since been denied by Damian Lillard that uh, he is looking for a $55 million annual contract for the last year or two of his contract, and that he's interested in playing with Ben Simmons. And the Trailblazers have fired their general manager, so it seems like there's a shakeup there. The Indiana Pacers are also reportedly uh, starting to think of rebuilding as well. Former Sixers great TJ McConnell out for the season. So why not blow it up in Indiana since he's the heart of that team? Uh, so I guess at this point, we're December 8th. I feel like I need to go back to what we said in the preseason, but I felt like you said that he wasn't going to get traded at all. And I was, I think I said by December that he would. So I'm interested to see December 15th. I think it is that, uh, players that were traded in the off season can get traded to other teams. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think the Sixers kind of got what they wanted where nobody's talking about it now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because this has me just going into like random bouts of revisionist history and I hate revisionist history. It's just like Ben Simmons round picks that have failed in Philadelphia for whatever reason. I think uh, one of the things that we did he, saw... Did he really fail, though? I think... Uh, I mean, I I think the end result, yes. He's still one of the... like If he steps on the court today, he's probably one of the 30 best players in the league still. makes you valuable to a team though you could be a very good player but if what you don't do outweighs what you do then... let, me, let me rephrase it I'm thinking of failure in the sense of how Okafor or faults didn't meet expectations fair where uh, they were just complete <laughs> and for lack okay. of a better word complete busts so my Simmons response a- to that was Simmons was a just longer dragged out that to torture us. I wouldn't call Simmons a bust. But he's still still a remarkably good basketball player. He went from being compared to Magic Johnson and LeBron James to now what would you think 10 years from now that Ben Simmons will be remembered as in the NBA? I think he remembered as one of the better players of his generation. Um, not one of the best players of his generation, but one of the better ones. I think he's going to kind of get that status that you see with like a Pistol Pete or um, like maybe like the guy that on YouTube years from now or like when you're scrolling Instagram someone throws a clip of highlights, you're like, man, people sleep on how good Ben Simmons was. Like that type of thing. You know what I mean? But it's going to be like clips of his passes, not him shooting threes. You know, like how Jason Williams was never a superstar, but that one clip of him throwing the elbow pass <laughs> is going to live forever. I'm curious to know what, you think his next role will be in the NBA? He'll he'll play again. I just don't know when or where. I think he'll be. I mean, if he gets like bought out or he wait till his contract ends, it really drags on that long. And if, they just let his contract run out. And if he, he never doesn't plays. play for another four years, which doesn't seem as crazy as. As it would have seemed a couple months ago, I don't think he plays another game in the NBA if that's the case. I just don't. But it's like 10 years from now, I think he's remembered most for... I don't know. Like, I don't really know how to phrase it other than saying, like... I mean, he was three, he's already a three-time All-Star. So I feel like he's fallen short of expectations in the fact that he was supposed to be a generational player, 
maybe we'd set he, those expectations too high based on where he was picked. But I think he ends up becoming, you know, as he gets in his later 20s and early 30s, he becomes more of a defensive specialist than he does like a facilitator or anything. I think he ends up becoming a guy that's like first defender off the bench. I don't think that he's going to be a starter long-term in the NBA. I just don't. Um, I think he'll start again. Oh, I think he'll start again. I'm just saying like as, as his career progresses, I guess. I don't know. I don't think he's ever going to be the focal point of any team he's ever on. I think he's going to kind of become like how Rondo is now. Like a passed around talented piece, but not a piece that anyone ever feels like tied to or makes part of their core. Interesting. I mean, I'm just trying to think of another player that was picked first or in the top three that it's like that, that becomes so good so quickly and then has this fall from grace, per se. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I even think the Rondo comp is, like, a little much at this point because Rondo could shoot the ball every now and again. He wasn't great at it, but he he, he at least shot it. He would shoot it. He was not a shooter. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he was not... He would make he would shoot just to make you respect that he was going to shoot from from there, but it's not like anyone was ever worried about him going off for like thirty points. And given we haven't seen Ben Simmons play basketball in a long time now, but I almost feel like he got worse as a facilitator. Though. Like it wasn't just that he wasn't scoring points; he also wasn't really doing what he was in the first couple of years when it came to facilitating. So I know the goal for him has always been Damian Lillard, but uh, we saw in the athletic report from Shams this week that there was a discussed package between the Sixers and the Trailblazers that was C.J. McCollum and Fernie Simons and a first-round pick for Simmons and maybe it was just Simmons or maybe it was Simmons and Thibel. Is that a deal that you would consider now or... What what was the full package? There was C.J. McCollum, Anthony Simons, and a first-round pick for Simmons. And I don't think it was Maxi. Maybe it was Simmons and Thibel. We'll just say it was Simmons for the sake of that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trading Maxi at all at this point. Okay, um, if it's just I, I for would, Ben. Yeah, I would do that deal. I feel like at this point it's going to take a three se- three teams to do it. Maybe. Because after further consideration, I don't know if C.J. McCollum fits on this team, even if you trade Even if you trade Ben there. You, you'd have to shuffle the rotation. Well, you'd have to get rid of Tobias too, I feel like, at that point. Well, I think a C.J. is like a two-guard. I think him and Maxi make a good combo pairing. Yeah, I just don't um, know if Maxi is like a... You mentioned the other day when we were texting about it that they're both kind of combo guards. 
So it's just like who yeah. who facilitates. I know that's kind of like a small thing, but does Maxi develop into that role or does CJ take that role over? Then we fall into the whole like, oh, the Sixers are trying to make a guy who's good at other stuff do something that he's not necessarily great at. And the that was always something can, that bugs me. The one thing we can bank on is that if the Sixers pull this move off, it's definitely going to blow up in the Sixers' face somehow. You know, CJ will forget how to shoot. Ben suddenly can shoot. Whatever it is, we're going to lose the trade. Uh, it's it's depressing to consider, but uh, yeah, I mean, you are not wrong. You are not wrong. Um, I just hope there's a resolution soon because. As we've said a few times throughout this episode, it's just not. This team is not a team that is going to compete for a title unless other teams get marred with injury. Joel Embiid is looking really good coming off of COVID and everything like that, but Tobias needs to be better. Seth Curry is to the point where he's doing that thing where he's really good in the first quarter and then disappears for the rest of the game. Maxie's still learning. Danny Green, you know, it's hard to rely on him offensively and defensively at his age going into the playoffs, and then you have a bench that is a bunch of hot and cold guys. So, I mean, can Andre Drummond even play in the playoffs and – you know, maintain leads if they have them. I don't even know at this point. I think he's fine in the regular season. Dwight was also fine in the regular season last year, and then we saw what that was like in the playoffs. If they attack Drummond at his weaknesses, like it becomes the same issue as it was before. I just, I just don't know. It's depressing, and I hate it. And regular season basketball is just miserable. It really is. Yeah, I think that's pretty much a conclusion for tonight. Yeah, I did have fun watching the Suns the other night, though. Totally forgot Landry Shamet, also a Phoenix Sun. Yeah. It's hard not to love them with Landry and Mikhail and poor Dario, who's who's still not playing yet, but I and hope he'll be he's, back. he's back soon. Um, trying to think if there's anything else, but I don't think there's anything else. So I guess we'll wrap it up. That'll be that. Yeah. Enjoy our pain. Enjoy our pain. This has been mostly mostly depressing, but I think people, hopefully people will sympathize with it and relate to it. Uh, it's good to be back. Thanks, everybody, for hanging in during our hiatus, and uh, we'll certainly have another episode before the next uh, month and six days. I promise, as my word to you, the listeners, those of you that are still with us, but uh, for my co-host, Jesse Larch, I'm Brandon Apter. We will see you on the next episode of Garbage into Gold. Go Sixers.